Welcome to Wellspring on the Air. I'm Nicole Alfonso, a therapist at Wellspring and the host of today's show. Today's show is intended for mature audiences only, so at this moment, I would ask you to pause the show or change the station and come back at a more convenient time when you are not with children. You can always access any of our podcasts through our website at wellspringmiami.org in our blog section. Okay, so today's show is about sex, adults, and mental health. With me to discuss this topic today is Salima Harris. Together, we want to tell you about how our mental health can affect our sexual wholeness. So stay with us. We've got some great information just for you. Welcome, Salima, to the show. This is our first, and I'm excited that you have come on to talk specifically about this topic. I think it's a topic that um, there's a lot of shame around it, and so people do not want to talk about it. So I'm excited to be on with you about this. Um, topic about sexual wholeness. So why don't you tell our listeners about you just a tad before we get going? Oh, Nicole, it is such an honor to do this podcast with you. Um, I'm really excited to be here and to really talk about this topic today. Um, I am Salima Harris. I am a registered mental health clinician at Wellspring. Um, I am married myself. So personally, I know about this topic, not just from a therapeutic standpoint, but also personally. Um, But I definitely do a lot of work with couples. That is my passion. I love, love, love the institution of family and marriage. You know, biblically, when we look at it, you know, God created the family way before he created the church. And so it just really shows how much uh, God really cares about family, he, how he cares about relationship and connectedness. And sex is one of the ways that we um, have uh, connectedness. And so I cannot wait to uh, talk more about that. And um, he created sex. So it's like, exactly. It's good, you know? Exactly. So- <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Nothing to be ashamed of, but you're absolutely right. A lot of shame about that. And so hopefully talking about this more will reduce the shame and increase conversations about it. Love that. Thank you, Salima. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's get started. And let me ask you about this, um, this concept of sexual wholeness. What does that mean? Can you share with us? Absolutely. You know, sexual wholeness is a term that we don't really talk about all the time. It was a term coined by Dr. Corey Carlisle and Dr. Doug Rosenau, and they are uh, renowned sex therapists. And so what this is, is um, it means that we are joining the mind, the body, and the uh, spirit into the expression of our sexual selves. So it is more than just the act. And uh, just wanted to piggyback a little bit on what you said earlier about the shame. What I really enjoy about this topic is that it's almost like two stigmas in one, right? Mental health uh, was a stigma at one point and then sex. And then we're talking about mental health and sex together. So it did have these, these two stigmas in one. Although research is indicating that we are getting better at having these tough uh, conversation, conversations. So I'm hoping that's that we really do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great that we are, you know, I think the, obviously the pandemic has, has pushed us to talk more about mental health, which is great. Um, Absolutely. 
and of course, sex is an important topic. And I think I'm glad you, you speak about this social sexual wholeness, because I think in our society, um, people compartmentalize, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, and that's not uh, sexual wholeness. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so sexual wholeness, again, to expound upon that, it looks at the whole person. It looks at the meaning of what sex is. And we we gather meaning from various different areas. So our culture, what is our culture? Uh, culture say about uh the act of uh this of sex what is our faith as christians what is uh what does the word of god tell us about sex our upbringings our experiences and unfortunately sometimes our traumas definitely play a role in um how we view sex as a whole so then we because of all those things, sexual wholeness also looks at our motivations and our purpose of uh, of us engaging in sexual activity. So it goes way beyond that. Am I thinking about just, you know, having this physical act and, you know, the Bible says you need to do it, so just do it. You know, what does this actually mean uh, for us? And what I really, really appreciate about uh, sexual wholeness is that, like we mentioned earlier, having the tough conversations, continuing to do it reduces the shame in and of itself. But it also ranges from the release of endorphins. And if we're not familiar with that, that's like the love hormone, you know, and also uh, oxytocin, which is, you know, the cuddle, the cuddle hormone. So we can talk about uh, sexual wholeness from a physiological uh, standpoint or physical standpoint, you know, when we talk about uh, the physical release of it all the way the emotional intimacy with God um, and our partner. So those are some of the benefits of having, of having you know, sexual wholeness. That's really important, good information, Salima. So let's go into this, uh, this conversation about how mental health affects sexual wholeness because it does, it affects it greatly, right? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, science has shown us that several mental health uh, disorders, including uh, obsessive compulsion disorder, bipolar disorder, and ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, um, all affect our sexual desire. Today, just for the sake of time and maybe just to get the conversation started, we're going to talk more about common disorders like anxiety and depression um, and PTSD. But yeah, huge impact. They both very much impact each other. So for example, um, if I have anxiety, it's going to impact, if I have fears or concerns, it's going to impact uh, my my sex drive or what have you. Um, And what I think about sex and sexual wholeness may impact anxiety as well. So, you know, if I have worries or fears, oh, it'll impact that, you know? So whatever I think about sex, so yes, definitely a whole, uh, they both definitely impact each other. And anxiety uh, impacts men in a specific way sexually, correct? Correct. You know, the way that they impact each other um, are really, really less clear, according to research. But for men, um, it shows that anxiety is one of the biggest uh, contributing factors to erectile dysfunction um, because it uh, anxiety actually interferes with 
erectile focus. Anxiety takes up so much of the working brain. So then I'm not exerting any, any of it to anywhere else. So it does impact men in a different way, according, you know, especially as it relates to um, the erectile dysfunction. And for us women, the, some worries that also are exacerbated by anxiety or maybe body image, mm -hmm. right? Or even performance um, as a woman, those are some also of the ways that anxiety can kind of impact and negatively impact maybe our um, sexual wholeness and how we are engaging. Absolutely. You know, women experience this maybe a little bit more than men, but men experience it as well, as well. We have fears, you know, society, you know, has us to believe we have to look a certain way in order to be what's considered attractive, you know? So if I'm worried about what I look like, or if I'm going to perform well, am I going to please my partner? You know, those are worries that definitely interfere with performance and men definitely uh, feel that as well. Okay. So is there like a, a specific something you can, a practical thing you can give us on this particular anxiety um, and how it affects sex? Absolutely. And so one way that we can cope with, uh, with or one way that we can help manage our anxiety is using something called um, sensate focus. And what sensate focus does is it helps us to shift anxious thinking. And what it allows us to do is reconnect with your sensual uh, or your sexual feelings. And so what a, a specific exercise includes non-demand touching. And non-demand touching is, is touching. So we're touching our partners and we're being touched without any outcome or without any expectation. I've heard people say, oh, when my husband touched me on my shoulder, oh, I know he wants sex. And they clam up and there's, there's anxiety surrounding that. Oh, and then we go back to those racing thoughts that I mentioned earlier. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not attractive. Am I going to perform well? And so just the touch might indicate, oh gosh, he wants to have sex. <laughs> and so that, that's almost like this expectation, right? That kind of leads to anxiety. And so when we touch our partners and we allow ourselves to be touched with any um, expected outcome or expectation, the hope is that it allows us to be present with the touch which hopefully reduces overthinking and then leads to more open communication about the experience uh, of touching and then maybe about what sex feels. So I'm hoping that it allows us to be present. Anxiety can't reside when we are fully pres uh, present. It only resides in the future and the past. And so hopefully doing that allows us this uh, vulnerability in this safe space to have those conversations and to touch one another on the shoulder and just say, hey, no expectation of sex here, but I just, you know, I appreciate who you are and, and touching you is a love language, you know, and we could do So it. regarding this exercise, do you um, tell each other that you're doing this exercise? Like, hey, 
this we're doing you know this exercise non-demand touching no expectations do you say that before like to make sure because you know that <laughs> yeah it could it could kind of feel awkward right um i would i would recommend talking about it beforehand because um then how else will we know except yeah. for maybe the outcome but maybe not talking about it right then and there, but having what I like to call couples meetings. So if we talk every day for about 15 minutes, just to enter each other's world, we can bring up the, you know, the topic of non-demand touching and what do we think about that and how do we feel about that? And so just, you know, having the conversation about it and other, and other forms, and then also uh, just maybe touching each other randomly, you know, holding hands, you know, I've mentioned before touching the arm or wrapping your, your arms around someone, uh, maybe even touching, touching your leg, you know, that by, you know, make someone think we, you want to have sex. But if we have the conversations um, prior to actually doing it, then I'm hoping that that'll help uh, it feel a little less awkward and it help it feel natural and things like that. Yes. Okay, good. So let's take a break, Salima. When we come back, we'll talk more about um, other uh, mental health conditions and how they relate to sex. So we're going to take a short break to thank one of our sponsors who makes the production of our podcast possible. When we come back, we'll hear more from Salima um, and we'll talk about other conditions and how they affect sex. Okay, welcome back to Wellspring on the Air. This is Nicole Alfonso. If you're just joining our show, our topic today is sex, adults, and mental health. Today's show is intended for mature audiences only. At this moment, I would ask you to pause the show or change the station and come back at a more convenient time when you're not with your children. You can always access any of our podcasts through our website at wellspringmiami.org in our blog section. Okay, Salima, let's talk about depression. So we talked about anxiety and sex. Now let's let's go into the depression and sex. Absolutely, Nicole. So want to start with a little bit of research first, as we did with anxiety. So data shows a link between those diagnosed with depression and erectile dysfunction and sexual pain in men. So in the same with anxiety, uh, depression also plays a role in erectile dysfunction. And so that definitely impacts the men. And so with women, women experience sexual pain too. And in fact, their sexual pain is increased by three times when they are diagnosed with depression, you know? So generally depression does cause a decreased interest in sex as it does with everything else. We notice uh, a lack of motivation and a lack of interest with depression with many things. And so sex is impacted as well. And so with depression, there tends to be this uh, association with low body image and low libidos. And so there are, you know, symptoms of depression as well. And also antidepressants might even lower the libidos even further. And I know I've said the word libido a few times. And, and all I mean by that is our sexual drive and our sexual energy. So those are lowered by antidepressants. Um, and what is interesting, you know, science has showed that some people might experience a phenomenon. It's called postcoital dysphoria, and it is a wave of negative emotions that we experience right after having sex. 
even when the sexual experience can be pleasurable or it was consensual and it was satisfying. So for those of you who have ever experienced that, I really wanna normalize uh, those experiences for you. And there's nothing wrong with you, except for we might have um, some depression going on there. You know, research just in general shows that higher levels of sexual satisfaction are associated with lower levels of both anxiety and depression. So if any of us are experiencing those symptoms, sex might be impacted by that. Mm, yes. So how do people cope with this? I mean, what do, what do they do if they're struggling through depression and, and having struggles with this, their sexual wholeness and how they engage with their, you know, spouse or, yeah, what do they do? Absolutely. Um, and I love you meant you asking, how do we engage with our spouse? That's a two-way street for sure. Um, but one of the ways that we can cope with if we're experiencing really low libidos is that we talk to our providers about the side effects of our medication. Um, just looking at the dosage and is there anything physically that they would recommend for that. We want to rule out the physical first as the medication could be playing a role in um, our drives. Um, another way, and we can talk to our provider about this as well, but engaging in a healthy lifestyle could be really helpful. So things such as what are we eating? Are we eating well? Are we eating foods that uh, might give us more energy and, and things of that nature um, that might help us increase our interest? Uh, it's, it, it, things such as sex and, and everything. Um, uh, what is our physical activity like? Are we getting our blood flowing enough um, to help us engage uh, sexually? And also, what is our sleep like? Are we getting enough rest? All three of those things are uh, close contributors to our moods and thus our uh, sexual engagement and, and libidos and things. So um, those things are important to talk about with our uh, physician and also just looking uh, inward at what we're doing. Another thing we could do, especially if we're facing um, depression and really want to talk about how it's impacting our, impacting our sex life, is seeking therapy to heal from unresolved traumas. I had mentioned that earlier about what wholeness looks like. And sometimes um, when we have trauma, it, it may lead to anxiety and it might lead to depressive symptoms as well. So healing leads to accurate and empowering narratives about sex. For example, if I had dealt with some trauma before, I might think all bad things about sex. Men just want to use women for their bodies and just and they just want to release themselves. And that's all they want. And so that's not operating from a heal or a whole place. Mm -hmm. And so what uh, seeking therapy also does is it reduces and eliminates those psychological barriers, ones that I've just mentioned, and it allows for the releasing of shame and improved body image because depression tells us things. Sometimes it lies to us. And so healing allows for a more accurate narrative um, and then improved self-image, who I am in Christ. Who do I know myself to be? Who am I as a spouse? 
in marriage and what is sexual and then being able to have a, a sexually whole perspective when it comes to engaging in the activity. Yes. We always need to talk about, you know, our wounds, our wounds of the past do impact, right? Our mood and, Absolutely. and how we move forward. So really important. To Absolutely. All right. So how about PTSD and sex? All right. So as I said before, you know, having trauma impacts uh, anxiety and depression. But when we specifically look at trauma, um, research shows that traumatic experience experiences, especially during childhood, can lead to decreased satisfying sex lives in adults. And that isn't just, you know, something uh, related to sex any kind of uh, childhood trauma can really impact sex in our adult uh, lives. Uh, Post-traumatic stress disorder can re-trigger past traumas, which is why healing is so important. Uh, The re-triggering makes us feel like it's happening again, or it's reminding us of this unsafe place when we are most likely in a safe and present place. And so again, it can re-trigger past traumas um, and especially, especially those who've experienced uh, sexual abuse. So for example, if we are engaging in uh, sex with our spouses, we could have involuntary body movements. Some people's bodies clam up and they shake and it is their fight, flight, uh, freeze or faint response. So when we're having sex, we might be in stress brain. And so we clamp up. It's not something that we're trying to do. It's not something that we're thinking about doing. But again, because we are re-triggered, our bodies respond to that. And again, we have these thoughts that go along with it. What's wrong with me? I can't believe this is happening now. Um, So those things do take place when we have unresolved uh, traumas in our lives. And another thing that happens is we may become hyper, which is out of control sexual behaviors. We may be hypersexual or hyposexual, which means we have little to no sexual uh, urges. And those things do occur or they can occur as a result of having PTSD. Okay, and so you have this way of coping. I like this called aftercare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aftercare. Aftercare is is super cool, isn't it? So yeah. aftercare it normally refers to couples, and and so this is a, a another connecting activity in the way that non-demand touching is a connecting activity. Um, so aftercare is the time that a couple devotes to talking and caring for one another. After sex to ensure that both partners feel safe and at ease. Aftercare also helps with uh, reducing and eliminating negative psychological effects after uh, a sexual encounter. So those things uh, we may experience post-sex blues or sex shame. You had mentioned shamed earlier, Nicole. So those things help to counter maybe those anxious and depressive thoughts or Uh, traumatic thoughts that we might be having after sex, thoughts such as, you know, am I pleasing my partner? Am I good enough? Am I dirty? What's wrong? You know what I mean? Just any of those negative um, or or anxious thoughts that might uh, happen after um, we have sex. 
I love that. Okay. So let's talk about our faith. How do we incorporate our faith into God's design for sex? Okay. I would love to. And so right before we do that, I definitely mentioned a way that we can connect after sex, but I also would invite others to um, do some individual actions uh, after they have sex, someone who's experienced trauma. So post-sex soothing practices are encouraged as well. So that in, in, uh, includes self-care, such as maybe taking a long shower or taking a bath or reading, those things that we can do individually as well as a couple okay. in terms of um, helping us to uh, you know, reduce the impact of PTSD on our sex lives. Okay, so definitely shifting to faith um, in our sex lives and really talking about God's design for sex. And again, sometimes our mental health disorders can really impact and skew um, our understanding of what God has designed sex for and things of that nature. And just as our mental and physical uh, aspects of sexual wholeness is important, Spirituality is an equally um, uh, important part in making sure that we achieve sexual wholeness. Um, so scripture gives us a lot of guidance regarding sex and marriage. You know, one of the things that stood out to me as a believer is that sex is a spiritual and emotional union, okay? You know, our, the word of God tells us that our bodies are temples and they are not designed for sexual immorality, which means God has called us to have sexual integrity. And we see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 28. And one another thing, not only did he design it for that? Because he's such a relational God. Um, you know, in the beginning was God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. He's designed for relationships. Um, but God designed sex to be pleasurable as well. You know, when we look at uh, the Song of Solomon, it gets really steamy and passionate, right? Um, so it contains many passages regarding beautiful lovemaking. Uh, and it also talks about uh, the physical appreciation of your partner's body. And so we see that in multiple chapters in Song of Solomon. He mentions, I belong to you, my beloved, and his desire is for me. And we also talk, he also talks about in Proverbs, being intoxicated um, in her love. And so, yes, God has designed it to be pleasurable and very much connecting. However, you know, sometimes society um, tends to objectify us in those ways. And so then, and this is the work of the enemy where we do not view that. And this is something that God wants. He wants us to physically appreciate, but then sometimes depending on what we've learned in society, what we watch on TV, we feel like it's an objectification. So it's okay, ladies that are <laughs> that our husbands appreciates our bodies and vice versa. Um, but we really see the impact um, of sin on sex um, yeah. when it comes to those things. Big time. Okay, mm -hmm. so in wrapping up really quick, a few takeaways. What do you want people to take away from this conversation, Salima? 
Um, I would I would really, really love for um, the listeners um, to really understand the importance of just having the conversation about having a healthy uh, conception about sex. And sometimes that starts with looking inward. It starts with looking at what do I believe about sex and, and really debunking myths such yes. as sexual peaks. You know, we think that, oh, when we're young and that's when we have our sexual peak. If research shows there's no, no indicator that we have sexual peaks. Maybe sexual incongruence when one partner may be a little bit more, uh, have a higher sex drive than the other in terms of desire, frequency, and initiation. But a peak, that doesn't exist. So really, really making sure that we're in healthy relationships with Christ and with our partner when it comes to uh, the engagement of sex um, and just continuously learn, learn about sex. Uh, start with the anatomy, getting comfortable with using uh, biological terms. When we talk about a vagina and a, and a clitoris and a penis, are we comfortable with even saying those words? And the more we learn, the more comfortable we we hopefully will be with that. Um, so yeah, just helping with awareness for sure. Yes, I think this is so good because I think <clears throat> a lot of people maybe well, may, I'm, I'll speak for me. You know, I grew up and we you know were weren't taught about sex anything. We mm-hmm. had to learn about sex through culture, and the culture is telling us so so many wrong things about it. Oh, so. Goodness. Um, as an adult, then you, you come into it with these perceptions that are erroneous, right? They're not Christ-based, right? And so Mm -hmm. we have to go back to Christ created sex for good, right? For unification, to put us all together, um, to unify us. And so I think it's such an important conversation because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of myths and skews in our minds about it. So thank you so much, Salima, for um, just taking on this topic. I think it's important. I could see your love for couples and for mm-hmm. um, this topic. So thank you for, for doing this today. It is time to close out the show. Thank you, Salima, again for joining us today. Um, we hope you learned some really valuable information I felt and felt understood and encouraged during this conversation. And again, thank you for joining us today. If you joined this program midstream, you can find this show and others on podcasts at Wellspring on the Air or on our blog at wellspringmiami.org. The title of today's show, again, was Sex, Adults, and Mental Health. Encourage us and let us know you're listening by sending comments or questions to on the air at wellspringmiami.org. It is time to wrap up. This is Nicole Alfonso with Wellspring on the Air because hearts and minds matter.